0: The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is Serious, serious, serious. Fun. Welcome to episode two of Serious Fun. I'm your host, Brian Carr, and I'd like to start off by taking a trip back in time. Nowhere particularly interesting, I suppose, but definitely somewhere very specific. Celebration Cinema, Mount Pleasant, Michigan. It's May 2nd, 2008, my girlfriend, who is now my wife and I, have just finished watching Iron Man, and we're sitting through what feels like the longest credit reel of all time, waiting for something. Now, it's hard to think of sitting through the credits as anything unusual these days, but back then, it was relatively outside the norm. You had a few movies that did it, but most didn't. That what was in the movie was in the movie. So why were we sitting there this time? Because rumor had it that there was a bonus scene after the credits, a really, really big one. Now going back, it seems so quaint. The scene was obviously filmed in great haste, very late in the production, as Tony Stark winds through his opulent mansion at night to find the mysterious Nick Fury cloaked in shadow, as he so often is, waiting for him. Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson, chastises him for going public as the hero Iron Man.
1: I am Iron Man. You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Who the hell are you?
2: Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative.
0: Boom. Just like that, a universe was born. It's a bit like Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel ceiling, only I guess not really at all like that. But soon thereafter, we got Iron Man 2, and Thor, and Captain America, and then an Avengers movie with all of them, and more Iron Man, and more Captain America, and Guardians of the Galaxy, and Ant-Man, and basically all these other formerly B-list heroes, everyone you can think of. A cornucopia of explosions and pitch-perfect casting. It's 2017 now, and as of this recording, we're sitting just days away from the release of the now 15th movie in this series, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's baffling to think of any franchise that can support this many sequels and keep growing in popularity, but here we are, $11 billion in worldwide box office later, as well as untold amounts of merchandising money, talking about the next 10 movies and beyond. And of course, it's not including the plethora of Netflix and television series that ostensibly tie into that shared universe either. And of course, Marvel isn't even the only shared universe in town anymore. The success of their model has inspired Warner Brothers to do the same with their DC Comics properties, as well as other studios to find whatever licenses they have that can withstand that treatment. See legendary films shared Kaiju Monsterverse of Godzilla, King Kong, and who knows what else they'll fit in there by the end. So where are we at with shared universes, and this one in particular? What makes these larger connected narratives so compelling and so lucrative? And moreover, this is the really important question, how can we at Phoenix Studios cash in on that? Why, of course, with our own shared universe. So I called on a couple friends, Chuck Ryback, Associate Professor of English at UWGB, and Ryan Martin, Chair of Psychology, also at UWGB. They are themselves co-hosts of the All The Rage podcast hosted right here on Phoenix Studios. And I figured let's have our own crisis on infinite podcasts to talk about crossover culture and the Marvel Cinematic Universe phenomenon. Yes, I know I am mixing comics companies. Don't worry about it crisis and infinite podcast sounds way better than like secret podcast wars or something like that so here's what we had to say about the marvel cinematic universe its literary dimensions and what we think this means for the sort of larger meta narrative that we find throughout culture So here we are. We are in historic Studio B. I'm going to totally steal Ryan's name for this this building. There's, <laughs> if if you can't hear over the mic, there is no air conditioning or ventilation of any kind in this studio. Uh, and already. Uh, both guests have stripped down to t-shirts so uh, you, you mean, know, superhero outfits I was going to say like this is you know I, I apologize for not having visuals on this one guys I
2: just took a picture
0: oh you did okay yeah, good so, we'll, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely mention your Twitter later so alright so uh, this is kind of the conversation and I want to preface this by saying that this idea was actually originally your guys' idea like this is a thing you that was uh, just, they just they bro fisted okay uh, so uh, you guys are going to do this for a podcast um, called well, the new canon or something
2: like that i think it was called new fashion
0: new fashion what we were new doing. fashion oh, that's right yes. yeah okay uh and so you're gonna talk about this and you're gonna have me on but that didn't pan out so i loved the idea so much i stole it and appropriated it and, be- and make it my own thing so awesome. i do want to give you guys mm-hmm. credit up front for uh coming up with the concept Thank you. but the idea of calling it crisis Infinite podcast is all me oh totally <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> i take full responsibility for it that really late yeah. the
0: threat level <laughs> yeah so uh let's introduce ourselves uh of course i'm brian carr but uh who else is here with us. I am
1: Chuck Ryback. And and you are? I'm in the English department and creative writing at UWGB. I'm a super nerd. I love and hate comic books all at the same time, Mm -hmm. wrapped into one.
2: And I am Ryan Martin. I'm in the psychology program here at UW-Green Bay. I'm an anger researcher, and I actually uh, have never read a superhero comic in my life. That's astonishing. I would Mm -hmm. like to change that. I have read comic books I have read. I Mm -hmm. read one that takes place in Wausau. Uh, called, I think, Revival. Yeah, yes. Revival. Yep. And, and which is re-
0: being made into a mm-hmm. film. I think. Is it? Shout out, yeah, yep. It, it is. is. I it's think a cr- or a TV series. Or I can series. remember. Yeah. But shout out to Mike Norton shows up at the local comic book uh, shop mm-hmm. a lot. It I have uh, several pieces of his art in my living room. Just saw him there. It was yeah. incredible.
2: I loved mm-hmm. it. It was a gift from a friend, and uh, I I loved it. And then I've read The Walking Dead, and this is obviously you're noticing a theme in these, and it's mm-hmm. because yeah. I used to teach a seminar on zombies. Sure. Um, but I've never read a. a con- I would like uh, to change this but, we had to get uh, you
1: reading Moon Knight man. Moon
2: Knight's good uh, I mean there's, there's
0: a bunch we could probably come up with a reading list right.
2: I have seen all but one of the Marvel films and I'm a big fan so that, okay. that, the fact that I haven't read them is not a, a um, It's not a criticism. You love the concept, just have not gotten around to it. Like I
0: said, we can correct that later. All right. So, uh, quick parameters for the conversation for those of you listening who might not necessarily be familiar with what we're talking about. The Marvel Cinematic Universe starts in 2008 with the release of the first Iron Man film. Uh, A really kind of, it it seems like a ridiculous thing now, but at the time was sort of a risky venture. You had Robert Downey Jr. coming off uh, Um, A very shaky reputation, a lot of drug and crime problems, um, and ended up anchoring this film that went on to make all kinds of money and uh, got a lot of buzz and a lot of positive reaction and launched this multi-billion dollar Mm -hmm. franchise. So when we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we are talking about the films released exclusively by Marvel Studios, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, which owns all of your hopes and dreams. and uh, that, does not, that means we cannot uh, technically include, even though we may talk about, the uh, X-Men films over at Fox, the Spider-Man films over at Sony, with one big exception which we can get into later, mm-hmm. um, and uh, anything else that is not specifically uh, like the Iron Man, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, that kind of stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. that's the quick parameters for those of you who are not familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, but these are the films that are all connected with each other while the other ones mm-hmm. are not.
1: So. You know, it's weird to remember, I I can remember people talking about Iron Man when Mm -hmm. it first came out before you knew the universe was coming is like this standalone almost art film. Mm-hmm. It's just so you're, It's weird
0: to think of Iron Man as an art film. Yeah, you're bringing back good memories. Now. I am. Like, it's it's and and I would argue that that's probably one of the films that holds up like the most to repeat mm-hmm. viewings. Yep. It still I think works very very well as a standalone I, film.
2: You know, and I I think for all the reasons you brought up, I blew that movie off when I saw trailers oh, for it. Man. But I mean, I saw it eventually oh. and I loved it, but it, it took a student coming to me and saying this is really good. Mm-hmm. You're gonna like this a lot. But but when I saw the trailers I just thought Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Not a, you know, and another superhero film, which is funny in, in contrast, mm-hmm. right? Because we've had right. plenty since then. But I yeah, often this, have to drag Ryan to good things. Sure, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it takes a while, but event, mm-hmm. you got there eventually. Mm-hmm. So,
0: I get, uh, I, I, there is no real structure to this conversation. I have notes in front of us, but uh, knowing the people in this room, it's going to go <laughs> off in weird tangents, and we're all getting delirious from dehydration already. Mm-hmm. Let's so, do. So uh, we're going to start off with this. Uh, in a word. What do you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is? How would you describe it? What are your feelings toward it?
1: Take it, Mr. Martin.
2: I would say, uh, I feel like I need to This is it a here, tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a very tough one. Yeah. Here's the word I would use. Adamantian. <laughs> Sorry. Wrong universe. <laughs> okay. Vibranium. You can use vibranium <laughs> oh, here. Oh, man. I would say undertaking. This undertaking. This feels like a massive bite of the apple mm-hmm. that they have done incredibly well Um, you know that I, I'm really impressed by but it is a it is a, it was a massive undertaking and they've done it so very well it's not perfect but just so very well mm-hmm. that's the word I would use undertaking
1: wow that's like a Professional wrestler isn't that
2: Undertaker? The Undertaker, oh, okay. yes, sorry.
1: yes.
0: So, yeah, that's did, a different show. You want to come uh, back? We'll do that. I cannot in
2: now. the Marvel Universe. No,
0: unfortunately, no. He
1: should be because I cannot. Though, stay. fun
0: fact: Hulk Hogan was actually named uh, for Hulk. I think they had like legal yeah. issues around that oh, at some point. Oh, really? Yeah, but that's uh, that's like I said, different podcast. We mm-hmm. can we can come back and do that sometime if you're interested. But <laughs> yep. I think it's you know the word I'm going to use is it's it's uneven <laughs> and. And
1: not in the most cliche way, like some are good, some are bad, but that there's a real contrast there. And I think my tastes, when we talk about this more, are going to fall along this line where there's the global and the universal. But then there's also a, a strong like local component to mm-hmm. the Marvel Universe that I think is sort of over... In this, including the, I don't know if the Netflix shows fit into that. They parameter. do. Yes, okay. technically
0: they do. Even well, again, we can get into this later. Yeah. But there's there are limitations in how much they fit into it.
1: So it's this weird combination of what are basically shows about neighborhoods mm-hmm. and then shows about galactic conflict. Right. <laughs> you know. But
0: this is, I mean, this is kind of at the core of Marvel comics in general. Like it's yes. a very New York centered. Uh, franchise or uh, sort of universe, but they do go off in all these strange dimensions mm-hmm. and tangents and it all fits within this same reality. And, and, and I, I don't know, like from a literary perspective, I find that kind of interesting that, yeah. you, can, that you can tell multiple stories and genres and it all somehow still fits together. Mm-hmm. Like it's not gonna be weird when the talking raccoon shows up and talks to the, the sorcerer that can go between dimensions and that sort <laughs> right. of thing. It right. all fits somehow. <laughs> Even though that's an insane sentence when you when you mm-hmm. say it out loud.
1: And when I, if I could tip my hand a little bit, I grew up reading Daredevil. Yeah, uh, the Frank Miller Daredevils were my favorite. Um, and that really is, and, and what drew me to that is it's a neighborhood story. It's mm-hmm. Hell's Kitchen. It mm-hmm. happens there, and. The enemies are local crime bosses yeah. and stuff. I mean, it's, it's
0: I mean, Hell's Kitchen's what? Like a five block radius or something right. like that. Yeah. Like, and that's it. Daredevil has. I mean, that's good coverage.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, like, <laughs> right. you, you
0: really couldn't beat that. But like, <laughs> compared to like a Spider Man or something like that, he's got a very narrow sort of. Thing, but he'll still go off into space. And, and, and I was going to say, if you get the in the trouble guys, outside
1: yeah. of Hell's Kitchen, he's like bad pizza delivery. Sorry, you're out of yeah. my. You're out of my range. <laughs> like, I won't Ooh, save you. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like cell service it just doesn't go out there. Uh, all right. So, okay, what about you? Uh, what What about me? Yeah. What's okay, your one right, word? So, uh, what's my one word? Um, I would. I mean, I would have to say probably something. Like, I think you guys have both hit on some very real parts of this of this whole uh, enterprise. Um, if I had to choose it in a word, I would just say surprising like i am i mean i'm surprised and i'm not surprised at the same time about how much this has resonated with people because i think on some level the marvel characters always have right Mm -hmm. like you put somebody in front of spider-man or the x-men and you can you can connect Something to that, right? Same deal with Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Like, these are characters who face, like, you know, something approaching real problems while they're also, like, getting into these costume punch ups. Um, And they're also, like, you know, they have feet of clay, they make mistakes. And I think that's something we can also talk about. They get angry. (laughs) They get angry, you know, they, they screw up like Spider-Man can be a selfish jerk at times mm-hmm. because he feels like he's entitled to. And quite honestly, he kind of is. But the, what's interesting is like kind of overcoming that worse angel. So I, I I think that like it's surprising in terms of just the scope and how people have just been like willing to like, okay, yeah, guy in a robot suit, you know, guy talking raccoon, right. giant green gray, rage mm-hmm. monster, Norse God. Yeah, all this fits together, all this is great. But I yeah. think what is interesting is that Um, I guess human maybe is a better word human like there's a very human story that runs through a lot of this stuff good bad or Otherwise I agree
2: what I think is really when I said undertaking what is so as someone who's never been a comic book fan as someone who doesn't I have not I had not heard of the vast majority of these characters Mm -hmm. prior to the movies
0: Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me
2: by Star-Lord Who? Who? Star Lord, man, legendary outlaw. I never heard of Iron Man, right? I never heard of Rocket or or Guardians or any of that. You
0: and most other people, right? You, you didn't hear Black Sabbath's song about Iron Man? Okay, yes. so I, I had to look that up. Apparently, yeah. it's not actually
2: about Iron Man, though. Apparently, Ozzy was a comics fan. Well, so, and I, I just I, I was utterly unfamiliar with so many of these things, which is why I think it was such a huge undertaking to to put this together, and and how I think they've done it despite some problems, sort of masterfully, mm-hmm. in that they use the known characters to launch the right. unknown characters, get you excited about mm-hmm. those, and then launch, you know, but but at the end of the day, like, I bet of these characters, there are four or five that I, I was familiar with prior sure. to the movies. You know, your Hulks, your Captain Americas, your your Thors. Thor, I was gonna say, how about yeah. Thor? Well, so, Adventures in Babysitting was yeah. the key. <laughs> That's where <laughs> I learned about Thor. That was your, that was your gateway. <laughs> yes. uh,
0: so, it's kind of interesting you mention that, because like, historically, like, there is a reason for that. Um this was a situation where Marvel in the 90s was essentially bought by a company called Toy Biz. And I might have some of the facts a little bit off, but, you know, look it up. You know, we're, we're educators. Do some research. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, they were bought by a company called Toy Biz in the 90s with the express purpose of using the characters to make action figures. They had no idea how to run a publishing company. They had no idea what they, were, what they essentially they were doing. And Marvel essentially was running out of money, they would have gone bankrupt. Hmm. So in order to keep the company afloat, they sold off the film rights of some of their characters, like Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Hulk, mm-hmm. all that stuff, thinking, well, we're never gonna make movies out of these characters, the the public has no interest, in the special effects just aren't there. Yeah, Batman exists, but whatever, that was a one-off. Um, so w- you know, we'll sell these off, and you know, other companies will make it, we can maybe get some money on the back end. Um, and then, of course, these movies turn out to be massive hits, well, not. So much Fantastic Four, but, um, you know, but they all send it, They all do pretty well. And so Marvel's like, now, wait a minute. Other companies are making movies out of our characters and we're not getting anything out of it other than like you get some publicity and some back end, but we're not really controlling the destiny of how these characters are represented on screen. So that's where you had the Marvel Studios concept come about. This is before the Disney merger, the Disney acquisition. Um, they came up with the idea like, all right, let's take the characters we do have and try to build a connected universe out of them. So they were not left with the cream of the crop. Okay, mm-hmm. you had Captain America and a couple other characters that were relatively well known, but mm-hmm. they did not have the big heavy hitters. And arguably, had they had access to Spider-Man and X-Men and that sort of thing, we would have never gotten Iron Man. We would have never gotten Thor, or Captain America, or anything like that. They would have stuck with the heavy hitters that were proven sellers. Um, so it was kind of a gamble from the outset, and they what were kind you, of going alternate universe. Here. I, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's well, that's again, that's mm-hmm. the thing that you do in this sort of yeah. <laughs> in this, this genre. So it, it, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that there's this whole idea of characters that you had never heard of. That was not necessarily on purpose. That was out of necessity. Like, they essentially had to work with the characters they had.
1: Hmm. Did they have access to Howard the Duck and they They just didn't, left I don't think, out? actually. Oh, okay.
0: I think, I think oh. Lucasfilm had him.
2: But yeah, because that's the... That's who made the movie, right? Yeah. It was and, uh, and I want to go on record as saying, I love that movie. Yeah. You, you up, and my dad, I, for I some reason, like he's like, yeah, yeah, I loved Howard the Duck. I'm like, yeah. all right, whatever. Yeah.
0: That movie's incredible. But Howard the Duck, of course, now part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Officially, he shows up at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I know. And I was Ooh. excited about I'm hoping that. he makes a return in the sequel uh, yes. uh, this week.
1: But... Or just becomes a regular character on Jessica Jones. Oh, that'd be
2: fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> in, in my mind, by the way, that, that previous Howard the Duck fits into this universe. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Nobody's
0: nobody's paying attention, right? <laughs> actually, fun fact: they do acknowledge the uh, the film "Howard the Duck" in the "Howard the Duck" comics.
2: Oh, really? As
0: yeah, like he huh. actually goes and meets the actress uh, who played his remember. love interest in that movie.
2: Who is it? I, I don't, don't remember century, offhand. I can't remember. It's, Somebody's like
0: screaming at their uh, head. Yeah. Their, their, uh podcast machine right now the name isn't coming to me it's the woman no. from back to the future right yeah it's, it's not a duck it's, it's not, not a duck oh but she does she, she does incredible. show up in the comics as herself she's so.
2: acting her ass off sorry <laughs> <laughs> and it's incredible great right. now okay <laughs>
0: i'm deleting everything so it was marty's marty's mom
2: girlfriend well Girl. and mom and the well look at you no, okay mom. back all to right. the future is yes, weird when mom. you think about no. it
0: all right mom all right so uh Let's talk about the best and worst movie. We can talk about some of like kind of the the sort of like underlying challenges and strengths of the universe in a second. But your favorite and least favorite of the movies so mm-hmm. far,
1: and this kind of fits with the pros and cons probably a little bit too. Sure, I, I'm a going to preview. say I'm going to say that I'm I'm torn here a little bit um, between Iron Man, which. I don't know, there's something about that movie coming out with all, without all of the pressures of fitting in to a larger continuity that I think we're kind of freeing, especially in terms of message. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, just, I'm gonna go with Deadpool. Deadpool. I mean, you're not technically, but okay.
0: I'm gonna. Am I not allowed to do that? No, there's no structure to the show. I already said that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm seeding the. Oh, am I going worst movie? Is that what you want? No, No, you can do whatever you want. I'm just just saying, Deadpool's not technically. technically, He's, he's in the X-Men continent.
1: That's baloney. But he is.
0: He is legally considered an X-Men character for the purposes of film rights. Okay. How about? Ant Man, can I go Ant Man? Ant-Man? Yes, Ant-Man's I can go Ant Man. I mean, you can he's... still go Deadpool if you want, but yeah, he's not technically part of this.
1: Well, here's the short version of why I love Deadpool: is that man, a superhero movie that's basically about a cancer survivor mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah, I just got to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the thing, I, the thing I like about Ant Man so much is I like the more neighborhood stories mm-hmm. and kind of the plight of, I don't know, the loser, and that there's something about that film that really takes on. This under-discussed issue, which is, you know, what do you do when you're an ex-con? What do you mm-hmm. do when you get out of prison, and you want to fit back into life, yeah, in, in some way? And basically, if you're <laughs> an ex-con, you are made to feel small. Hence, Ant-Man. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And and I, I just I really appreciate that sort of personal, a, a story that feels personal before it feels intercollective. Exactly. Right. right. I've been watching you
2: for a while. You're different. And I believe everyone deserves a shot at redemption. Do you?
0: Absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some stuff. Makes sense. It's a very limited scope in the movie. It's a heist movie is what it is. Mm -hmm. There's no big, there's a world, th- there's like a global threat, but it's not really happening yet. Yeah. And,
2: you know, this is the thing. So Marvel executives, if you are listening, um, I, this is what I would say is I don't, one of my objections to superhero movies in general, not this universe, but in general, is that I think they feel the need to go big with mm-hmm. regard to the villain's plan, the, the the bad guys, you know, and what they're doing. But What I love about Ant Man is that it's a relatively simple plot, right? Mm-hmm. This is about corporate greed. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. not intergalactic disputes. Mm-hmm. It's not. It actually very in a similar vein. I know it doesn't it doesn't count uh, as part of the unit, you know, but Logan is similar sure. in the sense very simple plot. So it's a western, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and actually, I, so my favorite um, is similar in that way. My favorite is actually Civil War, which I think, despite a lot of complexity. The end of the day the villain's plan is relatively simple and straightforward mm-hmm. it's it's complicated in how he sets it up yeah but this isn't a dispute it's a rube me. goldberg right. is what there's it is. a lot right. of gymnastics there yeah. <laughs> right but it's not but his goal is to to break them up and to mm-hmm. get them you know and mm-hmm. that is different from um uh, from i think you know what you saw on avengers one or two which um you know where a much much more complicated right uh plot mm-hmm. Um, I think the the reason I like Civil War so much is I think that they had a huge, again, it was a huge undertaking. You had to set up new characters like Spidey and Black Panther, who I loved in those movies. You had to put together a, an interesting plot. You had to set up future movies with with, by, with the, the breakup or potential breakup. Mm-hmm. They had a lot to do, and I thought they did it all very mm-hmm. well. Um, uh, and I and I love. I mean, my favorite character right now is Black Panther. Sure. Um, and I thought they're setting him up, and that movie was incredible.
0: Yep. And um, he does get his own movie. Yep. And it, and it should be said, it has a predomin- has a primarily black cast, which is a rarity for this kind of big blockbuster yep. genre film. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. And I am ecstatic about that movie. I think uh, yeah, on my radar, when it comes to what I'm most excited about, it's it's the the Black Panther movie.
0: He's a character that you can do a lot of interesting stuff with. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to. Go Go with guardians of the galaxy solely because I love me too the ant-man would be a very close second those are the mm-hmm. two that i will watch over and over again um but guardians like i always describe it like if you gave me a budget mm-hmm. to make a movie it would look a lot like guardians it would i mean i probably would have changed things i have a female lead and some other things like that but like the the action the 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 premise and what i think is interesting and this comes back to that conversation like about this the sort of like the human side of this like you have this sort of like outlandish situation but it's an outlandish situation but that's very feels very grounded in terms of the emotional stakes for the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a ship full of people, and this is one of my favorite sci-fi tropes, by the way, a ship full of broken, damaged people that forms an ersatz family. Mm-hmm. I love that, I will watch that a million times. And you, know, you have people like, okay, Star-Lord's mom passed away when he was very young, he ran away, was raised by essentially pirates, he has no real concept of human relationships as it stands, and he's kind of a, a jerk and a cad. Um, that becomes less so over the course of the movie. Gamora was essentially, you know, raised by a despot, experimented on, and all this stuff. She doesn't really have much of a family either. Rocket exists solely as just a creature that was built in a lab. Groot, we don't really know much about his story in the movie, but in the comics, he was essentially exiled because he, you know, uh, there's like these little creatures that run around taking care of the planet. Um, and all the other trees of his species would like, you know, tease them and bully and harass them. And he would like actually stood up to defend one of them and killed another tree, which is like, he hmm. can't do that. Hmm. So he's kind of he's exiled. Drax's family was killed. And these are all people who have like suffered this like horrible pain and loss that informs them at every step. But... They get together and they become something better than what they are, mm-hmm. and they become this sort of messed up little family. I love it, and, and plus it's super funny, and the music's great. And but, kind of a heist movie too. It yeah. is absolutely that, yeah. and it's just it's just a riot. I, I watched that movie like two or three times in theaters. Yeah. I regret nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. It, I actually watched it over the weekend. Um, I, I <laughs> I'm did. probably going to watch it again yeah. this week. Well, I, I did for two reasons. One, I wanted to see if if I could if if it was appropriate for my kids, who are mm-hmm. a little bit young for some of these movies. My kids watched it. Did they? Yeah. Um. Twice. and, and your kids. Are a little older than mine, but um, I, I and so I watched it for that reason too. Um, I wanted to introduce my in-laws to it to mm-hmm. to give them to see what they thought. And uh, but you know I want to talk take a moment to talk about Rocket if I can. Sure. Um, because so people because I'm an anger researcher, people ask me all the time about the Hulk, mm-hmm. and I will be honest, I find the Hulk from an anger perspective. Kind of boring. Sure, uh-huh. um, I think the there may be other ways in which he is interesting. And again, I haven't read comics, the comics, um, but the films. Um, he's kind of an on-off switch. Yes. Yeah. And he's, either, it,
0: he's either angry or he's not, or he's yes. always angry, which is another
2: right. Mm-hmm. And that was actually his most interesting <laughs> yeah. moment. I thought mm-hmm. was in the first Avengers movie when he he's said, like, I'm, "I'm always, always angry. angry." Yeah. Um, that's something I can relate to actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think, from an anger perspective, Rocket is a much more interesting, intriguing character. Mm-hmm. Um, this is someone who has been badly damaged, mm-hmm. um, someone who is is torn apart, and his scene is is really powerful for a movie that's supposed to be fun. Keep
1: calling me vermin, tough guy! You just want to laugh at me like everyone else. Rocket, you're drunk, all right?
0: No one's laughing at you. He thinks up some stupid thing. He does. Well, I didn't ask to get made. I didn't ask to be torn apart and put back together over and over and turned into some some little monster.
1: Rocket, no one's calling you a monster. He called me vermin. She called me rodent. Let's see if you can laugh after five or six good shots for
2: your frickin' Right? You know, which which is fun. But his scene, you know, that people forget about when he says... Um, I didn't ask for this. And I mean, first of all, the special effects in that scene are incredible. Mm-hmm. His, his little lower lip is quivering in a way that is really p- p- powerful. Um, <laughs> yep. he, but, but I mean, that's a, this is a really interesting character who's dealing with a lot of mm-hmm. internal rage. And, and that I, I find fascinating. Um, And so, you know, I think I I mentioned Black Panther is a character I love. This is another character I'm really excited to see Mm -hmm. what happens. And uh, he's
1: capable. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like even though he's angry, he's capable. He's incredibly smart, technically Mm -hmm. savvy, formulates plans. And, you know, interestingly. like He's the the brains of the operation. Really, Really. To the Hulk is my favorite run of the Hulk was when Hulk was in Hulk's body but Banner's brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was... Was oh, that the uh, Joe Fix It? Was, was that the Pantheon? The I can't remember. Drive, whatever, it was just where he was, so he was the Hulk, but he would wear a dress shirt, like mm-hmm. a, a white button-down shirt and glasses, and he was those things merged, and he was so much more interesting mm-hmm. in, in that to me. Yeah. So. I mean, I just uh, bigger than a it, raccoon. Yes, but it's a know.
2: very, very simple view of anger to think mm-hmm. of. When you get angry, you lose control. Right, and and that's that to me is relatively boring mm-hmm. compared to someone like Rocket, who is dealing with a lot of anger but is able to to control it and, and, mm-hmm. and deal with it differently.
1: Although I do feel like there's something about the Hulk that's timely in a way that makes him more interesting for me, and it could be I just reread um, Planet Hulk. And yeah, it's pre- a great and, style. And that's pre- a great series. To Planet Hulk mm-hmm. and. Where you just get to the point where you know what we're
0: we're out of options that mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: that this is this is the moment for anger and let me show you how this works. Yep. <laughs>
0: right. Well, I love that. I love that story, and I don't know if they're ever going to get to that in the movies or not. But they're they're kind of toying with it a little bit in the new Thor movie mm-hmm. um, to with one of maybe one of my favorite like little gags I've ever seen in a Marvel trailer. Um, I haven't seen the trailer. Oh, it's worth checking. It. We'll That's have to good. watch it after this. It's really yeah. really good. Um, But uh, that idea that, you know, essentially all of the brain trust of the Marvel Universe is like, okay, this is a problem we can't solve anymore. Mm -hmm. We're going to shoot him into space, which is such a comic book solution to the problem, but also just shows like maybe like in a sort of like way that. And this is, again, getting a bit far afield from the films. But I wonder if in a way you could read that as, you know, when we're dealing with people who are dealing with like anger and like. And and sort of like they are uh, sometimes it feels like the solution that we go with is not to help them, but to sort of like literally just like push them Mm -hmm. away. And I think that's a really powerful metaphor. And I think, again, like it comes back to that idea that what I find interesting about the Marvel stuff compared to the DC stuff is that with DC you're dealing with gods, like literal like gods and goddesses. Right. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're great characters. I mean, I mean, I'm wearing Wonder Woman shoes right now. Okay. So it's like, I love these characters too, mm-hmm. but I, I find it hard to identify with or understand them in the way that I do a Marvel character because they are us. They are yep. faulty, messed up, contradictory individuals as opposed mm-hmm. to sort of this the perfect pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, there, and there's room for both. It's just that I don't quite think cinematically the other companies quite getting that and and how to handle that. To your
1: point about Hulk like being a problem and anger and that we deal culturally with anger by locking people away or sending them away. But that the follow through is, of course, is that. You know, one person's anger that's seen as a problem is actually Mm -hmm. a whole other world solution Yes, at the same time. (laughs) That anger is a solution in Mm -hmm. that case.
0: Yeah, and uh, have you ever read World War Hulk? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good tune. That's a really nice continuation of those themes. It's just like, okay, so what happens when that problem comes Mm -hmm. back?
1: Yeah, I read all three of those right in a row. Um,
0: All right, so uh, we're getting a bit far afield, but that's all right. Uh, So I want to bring it back around a little bit. Let's talk about the worst movie, the movie you think that did not really work as well. And I've got mine. I don't know what you guys think, but I'd be interested to hear it.
2: So um, I'm not sure 100% sure if this counts I think it does The Incredible Hulk
0: Yes. Okay. That is technically part it, of it, the cinematic universe. I thought so. Also yes. came out in 2008,
2: but I wasn't Cause, sure. Because
0: Tony Stark is in it, so. Oh, that's right. That's he right. He shows okay. up the so, very end. So I guess Fantastic Four counts too. It well.
1: No. No. Gosh no it darn! Doesn't. Is that another X-Men thing? Am I like getting yes. this? Uh,
2: yes. Yeah.
0: Fox owns Fantastic Four as well. I need to get my branding straight. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry.
2: I, it's all right. I I just I found that it's super confusing. I mm-hmm. found that movie boring, and I feel like they've actually tried to sort of unload it too. you know they mm-hmm. don't really. There's cling a tossed-off
0: to line about Harlem. Right. In, um, which by the way is weird because like Luke Cage never refers to the, the Hulk fight at all. Right, but right. <laughs> it happened in his backyard but I guess right. it was a while ago at that point Um, yeah like other than that like that movie's almost been erased out of existence largely because Ed Norton is no longer the Hulk right which I'm a little bit sad about but Ruffalo is so good he's been great Mm -hmm. yeah um, it makes up for it
2: if I had to pick one that was a little bit more part of this year since that one has been kind of cast off or ignored it would probably be the second Avengers yeah that's the one I was going to go with yeah I I felt I was disappointed by that some great special effects I just ultimately and it it nicely set up some of the Mm -hmm. some of the things in Civil War, but other than that, it didn't do much for me. It's. I think it's a challenge when you have so many characters in one movie, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. I think uh, Civil War was such a pleasant surprise. Um, Age of
1: Ultron's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's this not is, good. It, and you know, part of it is the villain. It's like when you deal with the Marvel Universe, the villains matter, and I think audiences react to villains in a different way. And disembodied villains are hard to sell.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you, you have know, Spader trying his best,
1: but mm-hmm. right.
2: There are no
1: strings on me. Right, like, it, there's just something, it's just not the same in, in that way. So even in Guardians of the Galaxy, you could get the sense that a villain was really large and amorphous. But no, there, there is a body there. There's like a person who shows up on a ship with a sword, right, <laughs> that you can direct your anger at. But that's a, that's a good call, right? uh, Age of Ultron, that's pretty bad.
0: Yeah, it, it it's and I think the problem I had with it is uh it, it was trying to do it like and, and maybe this is kind of like a nice segue into the cons of the of this this whole situation. Um, the problem I had with it was really twofold. One, I felt that it was Joss Whedon unchained, and I like Whedon in general, but there has a tendency where he can get too quippy and like too like the characters don't have any weight to them, and they all start to kind of sound the same. Like it, mm-hmm. and, and I felt that was definitely happening in that movie. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I never thought Ultron was all that interesting of a villain in the first place, and you know, again. Bless Spader for trying. They did some interesting stuff. I like the idea that, you know, he spends 15 seconds on the internet and decides humanity must be destroyed. I relate. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it just, I don't I know, know it just felt like it was a yeah. mess and just too much going on, too long. And I just felt like some parts of it existed solely for just corporate yep. reasons. Um, and and, it, and the big part is it sound it felt like a stop on the road to something bigger, and I feel like that is kind of a recurring problem with mm-hmm. some of these movies. You know, if I if I could throw in a hot take for a second, yeah, you know, please do the controversial. That's hot what we're take, here for. Right? We're nothing like, but hot takes. And
1: so th- this is I actually there are a couple movies that collapse into one for me. Like I, over having seen almost all of these, that I frequently have trouble separating the Avengers films from Captain America films because they feel one and the same. So what exactly, so what's the movie again with
0: Robert Redford? That's uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier.
1: That's what I'm trying to think of. And Mm -hmm. I I would almost throw, like if I wanted a controversial hot take, Mm -hmm. I would throw that out as one of my least... Favorite movies, and I know that people love it.
0: I know, me, I I, yeah. I, I like it, but people are like, it's the best one. I'm like, no, not when Guardians and Ant Man exists. Right. But, yeah. but it, I guess people just like there's maybe like a more serious tone of it. I don't know. Like, I feel like it had really interesting implications for the universe, but
2: mm-hmm. they
0: haven't delivered on them that much yet.
2: That's an interesting point, though, too, about how I think the the um, Captain America movies all feel. Well, I shouldn't say two and three. Uh, for the Captain America movies, feel like uh, Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I, I mean, Civil War felt like Avengers three to me. Uh, well,
0: it pretty much was. It was Avengers right. two point five or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Right. They and, just and didn't call it that.
2: And I think I actually think Winter Soldier had a similar feel in some mm-hmm. ways. Not as much, but it felt like a, a mm-hmm. more like an Avengers movie. I mean,
1: way. to me, Winter Soldier is the problems that I have with that is, I think the messaging of that film is all wrong. For one, and the it's the usual sort of deep state conspiracy mm-hmm. that feels really cliche mm-hmm. um, in a way that you blame your government for something while absolving yourself from responsibility mm-hmm. for that thing because it exists in this locked locked off component somewhere. Yeah. Well, um, it's not us;
0: it's Hydra, right? It's uh, which yeah. is
1: also very deep state, right? Mm-hmm. That's the world of of comics in some way, and there's some messaging there that. I, <laughs> I mean that that is that Joss Whedon? No, it's not Joss Whedon. That That's, was not
0: Whedon. Um, that was the. Uh, and here I am showing, I, the, I their names are on the tip of my tongue. It's, brothers. it's the brothers, right? It's, okay, yeah. So they did Civil War as well. Yeah, yep. they're they're very good. They're very good
1: directors. But yeah, there's something about the messaging of that where. You know, there's no doubt to me that those movies are meant to be more than fun, that you can't mm-hmm. per, you know, present this political plot and not be trying to say something that you want mm-hmm. people to identify with. And what I think they're trying to get people to identify with is just wrong. Mm-hmm. Like the, the messaging completely falls apart for me. And we, maybe that's a pros and cons thing maybe.
0: later, but that's my hot take. Man. Sure. Are you I- ready? Winter Soldier, no. I, I, and you know, what's interesting is that I, I will agree with you. Like, I, I don't think it's a terrible movie. I don't like it as much as some people do. I think civil war is kind of a more interesting movie. You want to really delve into mm-hmm. captain America's psyche. He's a um, terrible friend. He's a, he's a lousy friend. Jeez. Like, I mean, I don't remember. I love captain America, but I like that that movie was not afraid to kind of make him selfish. Right. Like it showed a little bit more of that human side of him that we haven't really seen as much. Right. Your, um,
1: your friend doesn't need a safe house. He no. needs professional help.
0: Yeah. And also, <laughs> and also by the way, you knew that, uh, he killed. Uh, mm-hmm. so I guess we were going to spoil of stuff. But you knew that he killed Iron Man's parents and said nothing. Yeah. You are a terrible friend to Tony. Like, right. and yeah, granted, you guys weren't that great of friends to begin with. But still, maybe you know, give him a heads up or like at least acknowledge it. I, I, yeah. I kind of, I felt like you know, maybe we we're supposed to sympathize with Captain America. But I thought that, unlike the comics, like it was a much more sort of gray area in terms of who was right and who was wrong in that film. Mm-hmm.
1: It felt like weird
0: messaging though, too.
1: You know, it did in, in the way that. You know, it. I don't. There's something deeply conservative about that take in the, in that movie too. And it's that you know, Law and Order is for other people. Sure. Um, but I have a built-in intuitive sense of mm-hmm. what's right and wrong. That's always going to trump right. actual laws that normal people have to follow. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and ignore all of this because I'm Captain America. And
0: and and I think and you know, Iron Man had a point. Like mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we have to. And he's like, you know, if we are not held accountable, we are no better than the bad guys. Right. And that's. I think a really interesting thing that I think it's lost a lot and this is, and we're sort of relitigating like comic fights from like 2004 in a lot of ways here, because you had a lot of people say, well, you can't, the you good know. old days. Yeah. Like the registration <laughs> act is inherently flawed because, you know, we know that captain America is a good guy. Well, yeah, I, I get that. There's a, it's a flawed piece of legislation because it's supposed to be, that's why that's where you get the narrative friction. But it, it, Iron Man's still right. Like, if you were in a universe, like, if you were in a reality where you had these people that could, like, you know, move mountains with their mind and shoot lasers out Mm -hmm. of their eyes, you'd probably want a little bit of oversight on that. Mm -hmm.
2: I would argue that vigilante movies, uh, which not all of these are, but vigilante Mm -hmm. movies are inherently. Anti, they're inherently conservative. They're inherently anti-government. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't need vigilantes if right. government can do its job mm-hmm. uh, effectively. And so, I ultimately, I, I know we're I'm moving outside the Marvel universe for a second. Not, but, well,
0: no, Punisher. So uh, yes. it's all still
2: good. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but but when you think about you know a lot of these characters from Batman to Daredevil to all of these, I mean, they they are. There's a lot of anti-government. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a, a running theme through. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of society movies. can't fix this problem,
0: so somebody mm-hmm. must step up and do it. Yes, and I, and there's a certain degree of catharsis to that, I think. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're getting to the psychology thing a little bit here. <laughs> um, but like you know, there's a reason like why Batman and these other characters resonate with us because mm-hmm. like you know we see the world, we see horrible things happening, and mm-hmm. wouldn't it be nice if there was a somebody or if we could step in and just you know, quickly and efficiently put a stop to mm-hmm. it, right? right? It's why, like, it's so, like, I there's a story um, in Garth Ennis's Punisher run called The Slavers, and it's literally about the Punisher going and killing all the people running, like, a human trafficking ring. And it's deeply satisfying to read. Like, if there's mm-hmm. anybody that you just want to see Frank Castle mess up, it's a human trafficker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the story, the author doesn't fully let you off the hook because it's like, it shows that, yeah, he's killed all these people, but the people still affected, like, you know, whose. Families were destroyed by this, whose lives are destroyed by this, Frank Castle has done nothing for them. He's not helped them, you know, com- uh, sort of assimilate in society. He's not helped them, you know, find psychiatric help or anything like that. He's just killed the bad people. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sort of hollow victory. And I think mm-hmm. that's why I find that story so interesting. Um, but it doesn't fully excuse the fact that we just spent five issues before that point. Right. Right, just being like, mm-hmm. yeah, Frank, go. Right. And don't get me wrong, it's a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. it does sort of show that they're, you know, it's a very simplistic solution to some very complex problems. You know, the mm-hmm. one counterweight to the, I'm
1: 100% with you on the, the vigilante issue that it's inherent that government is bad and mm-hmm. so i guess you could see that on the local level too although like i think in daredevil he cooperates with the police quite a bit he cooperates with the press uh in ben yurik who mm-hmm. is a great character in i the, love ben Yurk in that run um but it it to me like well, at least a small counterweight to that is that institutions do not always draw people that have the capabilities to perform those things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's this abstract thing and because not everybody has superpowers you know so mm-hmm. just because you have this amazing ability that you don't then suddenly you don't work for the government mm-hmm. um so i mean to me that's kind of of part of it but you're right that there are like daredevil to me feels like one of the like batman used to be in the old car- cartoons or some of the comics where you know you catch him and you leave him for the police yeah. right mm-hmm. so you're or like arrow. So you on have them. to do
2: the police's job for well, right. Spider Man. Always that's webs the part, them up and leaves them right. hanging from yeah. a lamppost. That's right. his move. But that's the that's the part that's inherently anti. Like the police can't do this. They're mm-hmm. uh, incapable of dealing with. Right. Like, so I'll do it. I'll mm-hmm. help them. Mm-hmm. Well, know, and, and even
0: in stories where the they're the, the neighborhood watch, just yeah. with superpowers. Yeah, right. yeah. And, <laughs> and even in stories where they kind of delve into that, like you know, it's like, hey, maybe we don't want a guy dressed as a bat or a guy in red and blue tights running around beating up villains. Um, you know, they still come around to their way of thinking. Like I, I saw the Lego Batman movie, and again, we're getting a little bit far afield from Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> but right. but I think it ties into a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. And there's a line in there that just made me laugh out loud in the theater because it is sort of the fundamental problem with Batman at times. It's like, and you have Barbara Gordon standing and saying, "We, you know, we can no longer have a guy dressed in bat pajamas going around karate chopping poor people," mm-hmm. and like, and and like, you know, that's a really gross simplification of who Batman <laughs> is, but on the surface, like it's a fair point, right? Like it's, you know, in terms of like the recidivism and that kind of thing. And, you know, after a certain point, like, you know, Uh, Because I see I follow a lot of people in comics Twitter and they get really tired of this whole is Batman a good force for society and all that and I kind of agree with them like you know yeah he could donate his money to you know improve like criminal justice and like you know poverty and And he does Mm -hmm. but he also does this other thing and it's that other thing that's fun to read just watching like a philanthropist go around spending money isn't really an exciting comic Mm -hmm. nor does it really tie into the sort of the fundamental brokenness of who Batman is.
2: Well, I think this is where, you know, I think I was brought in today in part because of my, my background in psychology. Sure. And and I think that this is the part that I think is when you when you use the word cathartic earlier, that what superhero movies do for people is help them deal with, I think, what a lot of human beings deal with, which is a lack of power, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so it's it gives people permission to kind of fantasize about what you would do if you had— you know, Superman's power or mm-hmm. if you had whatever, mm-hmm. like wh- how would you handle it and, mm-hmm. and what types of things would you do? And I think that that is something that people like g- get excited about, mm-hmm. you know, that that's in some way sort of the cathartic value. It's, right. it's a little bit like the, the same reason I play the lottery, not because I think I'm going to win, but I like getting, I like having 24 hours to just imagine mm-hmm. what I would do yeah. if I had all yeah. that money. It's it's, it's and, entertainment. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a, a big, it, it helps people feel, Mm-hmm. um, feel, uh, feel that sense of power. Mm-hmm. Imagine what sure. they would do.
1: That's but, why I mentioned Deadpool earlier. I, mm-hmm. I see Deadpool
2: as 100% catharsis.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that your body's ravaged by an illness, which happens to tons of people, right? Mm-hmm. You go through surgeries and treatment that make you look like something or someone other than you are. And maybe all you really want to do is get back out in the world and be really mad and swear as much as you want and mm-hmm. act out yeah, <laughs> in right. a way and that's how I, that's how i read deadpool it's like well instead of going under the knife for yet another surgery to have a tumor removed you carry around swords yeah mm-hmm. and kill metaphorical
0: cancers sure you know well, i i think we are have to do we're gonna have to do a show when deadpool 2 comes out for sure um but yeah like I, th- th- there's like sort of a fundamental sadness to that character that mm-hmm. the best writers understand and i think did come across in the movie a yeah. little bit it's that it's it's he's unhappy with his situation he's unhappy with himself and the jokes and all that and the wackiness kind of mask that it's a love story it it's, is you know. and, and on one level or another it mm-hmm. is all right, so getting back to the the actual yeah. MCU here. Um, so, we've talked a lot about the pros. What are some of the cons, you think, of this whole sort of connected universe approach? And this is where I wanna definitely uh, mm-hmm. lean on you a little bit, Chuck, because yeah. talked, we've talked sort of informally about this in the past. You know, there are a couple things. Like, I'm wondering if you really started to talk to people
1: who have watched all of this, that you know, what can you really say about the the main plot driving things forward, which I'm assuming is the Infinity Stones, right? Yes, and, then, and so, Thanos, and, yeah. But, like, is, is that really present yet? Is it in your face enough? Is it something you're invested in? Or are you really invested in the individual plots of the individual movies? Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, like, I think some of the, the biggest con for me is some of the messaging that really comes across in the Avengers movies and the Captain America movies um, in a way that is counter to so iron man really is one of my favorites i, sure. I could easily throw that out um, and the thing that i love about iron man that avengers movies and captain america movies don't do um, is that it takes on a real problem that we have and it doesn't make the responsibility seem distant it's mm-hmm. not a shadow organization it's you know what i make things that kill people yes and i'm realizing that this is a problem mm-hmm. and I'm going to go do something about it. It's not this other organization. It's Mm -hmm. not this thing. And that's a pretty powerful statement at a time when the United States is the largest weapons dealer in the Mm -hmm. world. We sell weapons and make billions of dollars off of that. So. And the movie speaks to that directly. Yes. And to me, that's a power. Whereas in the drawback of this universe is when the power gets diffuse in mm-hmm. Avengers and Captain America. It's this shadow organization. It's this group that is hermetically sealed off from your own democratic responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so that way you can root against them without having to take responsibility in a way that I think you do when you have to, when you watch Iron Man.
0: Yeah. And and I, if, if a couple of quick, like a couple notes about Iron Man real quick. It was interesting. Cause I've I read, uh, I, I've done a lot of research into Iron Man. I, mm-hmm. I've still got a chapter on pepper Potts. I've been trying to find a place for who doesn't. Uh, she's, <laughs> <Sorry>. she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, what's interesting is that when Stanley uh, uh, and, 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 uh, was it Kirby who came up with it? I can't remember who. Um, it was Stanley, and, this is me being, I apologize profusely, I should know mm-hmm. this offhand. Um, but when they created Iron Man, uh, Stanley basically said, my goal was to see, could I get counterculture kids to root for a weapons dealer? Mm-hmm. And like that was kind of his challenge. And I think he they hit on a very sort of key formula. It's a guy that has profited from this Knows that he has done wrong is you know directly affected by it. And what I find interesting about Iron Man is that he had the chance to walk away. Most superheroes don't. Mm-hmm. Batman can never not be Batman. Superman can never not be Superman. Um, you know, Captain America was born was literally made to be Captain America. But Iron Man could have like after he got out of the cave in Afghanistan or out of you know the the right. prison in Vietnam, depending mm-hmm. on which version of the story we're going with he could have very easily just like you know gone back to his playboy lifestyle made some token donations but he didn't and like that to me is really interesting and i find him to be you know there's there's a reason he's the center of this universe mm-hmm. is that he is sort of the most fundamentally flawed and interesting and i see a lot of pe- i see a lot of criticism um, talking about the idea that well all the problems in the movies are Tony's fault and like you know that's that makes him a bad character I'm like no that makes him a great character
1: it's like, wrong yeah
0: like mm-hmm. like that uh, you know the fact that he you know he keeps trying to fix things and try because he takes an engineering approach to problems that are not engineering mm-hmm. problems and that to me makes him interesting because he's literally trying like he's haunted by the specter yeah. that this is all his fault in some way
1: so when I watch something like, I agree with you and when I watch something like. Iron Man, or even Jessica Jones. We haven't talked about the oh, TV yeah, series. we could.
0: The Defenders trailer just came out today. Very much. To kind of put a, a, a date on when this came out. But,
1: but I think there's something about those shows, and this is true to comics that I love, which is why I love Daredevil so much, is that there's something in those narratives that encourage you to embrace kind of the negative things culturally that you are complicit in mm-hmm. and responsible for as a way to either wake up to them or think about them or just not embrace some narrative that of patriotism or whatever. And, you know, I think Captain America in the first movie kind of gestures towards that with, the, with him on stage and mm-hmm. dancing around. And it, that seems like a really solid critique of manufactured patriotism, mm-hmm. right? Before he moves out and does this thing. But Iron Man makes me want to look at myself and Deal and look at society and the things that I am responsible for. Right. Whereas Captain America and the messaging there makes me feel like you need to embrace this ideal that you're not. Sure. In some ways.
0: That's, I mean, that's a take I hadn't really heard before, but it's a really mm-hmm. interesting one. I'm, but I'm, that's where I am with yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, other cons. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is a this is good conversation.
2: I think one of the my objection, Chuck, you kind of hinted at this a second ago. Is I, I think we've got too many one-off villains. You know, we there's a villain
0: problem in this yeah, universe for sure. Well, I want to hear more. About, like, who the, are the one-off villains?
2: Well, I mean, I think every movie. All got of them, you. really. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah, that they that they have for a movie, and then they write off. Okay. And and the way you hinted at it was when you said, "How invested are we in the bigger plot with sure. Thanos?" Because that's kind of the one. He Nine. is the Ur villain. Like, right. that's the one we're building toward. You know, but every movie has had, like, there's a bad guy we're fighting, and by so, the end, we do away yeah. with it.
0: I, mean, I like, wouldn't have remembered Stane that. in the first movie, dead. Mm-hmm. Um, who? Exactly. Who, who? Jeff Bridges. Oh, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, my friend, Jeff. Whiplash <laughs> in uh, Iron Man 2, dead. Oh, gosh. Sam Rockwell's uh, Justin Hammer character in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man 3, villain's dead. I forget his name. Um, Guy, Guy, <laughs> well, Pierce, who Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce, exactly. I love as an actor, um, but and yeah. and I'm drawing like he's right. It's all right there. I remember is it's right there. Robot suits flying it's, around. Yeah, and, and lasers. It's Shane, very yeah. Shane Blackie.
2: But, um, no, I mean we. I mean, so Loki's not dead, but he. Loki's
0: w- one of the few villains that has really right. reached out and but, become something interesting in and of himself.
2: You know, the Ronan. You go on and on and on, and they're 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 basically Ronan dies, right? Ronan does die. Yes. Okay. Because I just saw. Red that Skull dies. Ronan yeah. dies. And and so I think that you know you, it it just ends up feeling it, so the well, the comparison I would make to other universes and other films, oh, and I to. To foreshadow here is like James Bond. Mm-hmm. James Bond has had. There's been a couple different runs. Essentially, one where you have a universal. You've got your one-off villains, but they're mm-hmm. part of an organization that is working. Mm-hmm. Spectre. Spectre. Yep. Exactly. Um, and or Blofeld. And, yep. Yep. Um, and then you have. Um, but you also had the time during the the 70s and 80s where they were just these one-off villains that you know, he did away with. And I think it ends up getting a little boring mm-hmm. at a certain point. like it's more interesting to think of him up against an organization and having a, a, a nemesis mm-hmm. than it is mm-hmm. um, to, to just kill these villains off.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and that's and kind of problem is that you, you invest so much in the hero, and a like, big part of the reason the movies work is because we're invested in these people, right? right. Mm-hmm. We care about these characters, yeah. and that's something, again, that I don't think DC's quite mm-hmm. gets yet. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel sad when Superman dies in Batman versus Superman, because, well, we've only really known him for one movie, right. and he's really right. not even Superman. Um, but in these characters, we really care about the heroes, but it comes at the expense of the villains, I think, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's, they, they can't commit to villainy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think like, you know, there's a couple villains I think have done well, like the, the two that have really broken out and become something interesting are Loki uh, in the movies and Kingpin in the in the TV series Kangpin a best. fantastic yep. villain. And you could yep. throw Bucky Barnes in the Bucky mix. Bucky Barnes is interesting, yep. yeah. He sort of like rides that line. And I, and I do have a soft spot for Red Skull because I love Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. And like in his that's such an easy villain to get across in a very short amount of time. He is a literal mm-hmm. Nazi with a Red Skull. Right. Got it. Like that's yeah, there's not think, a lot of complexity there.
2: I think Kingpin is a great example of what I'm talking about though. That is and they could do that because it was a you know 10 10 episodes in that series sure, or whatever. But, yeah. but that it was a that was a really nice unpacking of how a human being turns to villainy and and I mean I I think that's exactly what is missing from the mm-hmm, the Marvel mm-hmm, universe the the movies is at the neighborhood it, level too. Mm-hmm. He turns to
1: villainy at the like, this is my town. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And I, so I think that in in an effort to to save it. I mm-hmm. mean a misguided effort, mm-hmm. but an effort to, you know, that there well I find what's interesting is in
0: the in the in the TV series some of the villains are actually pretty sympathetic in the way mm-hmm. that maybe they aren't so much in the movies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kingpin, you sort of feel for him at points. Like here's mm-hmm. he's a very broken individual himself and i feel like in luke cage you kind of feel for some of the villains in there too um, definitely not not, not in jessica jones, jones no. no when that like <laughs> that guy when he dies it is the purple beautiful. man we'll call yeah. him that but yeah but he's but he's a good villain like he's a really yep. mm-hmm. well like he's another great villain but like again that's that like you said it's that 10 hours versus two and a half
2: right
1: mm-hmm.
0: but you know the problem with the villains too is they go
1: through that I had my only point of reference for this is the the terminator syndrome where Mm -hmm. a villain gets popular like Loki that's Mm -hmm. really well played. And that's a great example or Bucky Barnes. And then you have to turn them them, good because, Oh no, people like them can no longer be a villain. And so, and that's, that's weak.
0: Yeah. But it's also in keeping with the comics where they both Mm -hmm. have played the hero and antihero and villain role depending on what the story
2: requires. So I have another con sure. um, for Uh-oh. the movies too, and it, it's it's tough. And I feel I don't know it's it's too much to criticize. You've got power differential problems. A little bit. Y- you've got issues. You know when you've got vision, vision, Is that vision, yes. vision, and Scarlet Witch working at the mm-hmm. same time with Falcon. Who and I love. I mean, of the three, (laughs) one of these things is not like the other. Of of these three, Falcon is actually my favorite. I think he's the most interesting. Falcon's wonderful. Yeah, he's wonderful. Uh, But I'm always aware of the fact that he should be very like. We don't really. We don't technically need you here, Mm -hmm. right? And you shouldn't be alive anymore.
0: And they're playing with that more and more because we have Doctor Strange now, who can essentially like go between universes, has theoretically like power that is unmatched. So we're. I mean, and part of it I think is that you're building these characters up because and this is again where I feel like the con that I'm sort of dancing is that everything feels like a stop on something to, on the way mm-hmm. to something bigger. I feel like vision for example is built up as something powerful and godlike because when Thanos kills him and rips the gem out of his head, it's going to be like that, oh crap moment, right? Mm-hmm. When, you know, when Doctor Strange can't stop Thanos, it's going to be this big thing. So we're putting, we're essentially, then going back to the pro wrestling thing, we're, we're basically feeding a bunch of these really powerful characters to try to get the villain over. Right. Okay. Uh, and trying to make him come across as this like legitimate world beating threat. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't quite shake that in the back of my mind. Hmm. And when you watch all these movies, and I, and I don't want to say this is like 100% a negative, but when you watch watch all these movies it's like you know all your problems that you guys are going through right now like civil war and all that stuff there is something bigger coming and you don't Mm -hmm. even really know like you can't comprehend the the problems the the difficulty you're going to be in and I think that's kind of interesting on one level but on the other hand it's like you know we're literally building some of these characters up because they are inevitably going to be sacrificed Mm -hmm. on some level
2: I'm okay I'm actually that that actually makes me feel a little better that doesn't okay because only because I, I have a hard time with I mean Vision is a great example of this character that I just think is too powerful mm-hmm. to to be here you know mm-hmm. that he, it is um it it feels like he could solve a lot of their problems very easily but yeah. it doesn't and, sure. and you should
0: definitely read the short run of Vision Yeah that I, that's, that's that's I, I would I would have to concur that is one of the creepiest slash best Marvel comics huh. they put out in a while Interesting. It's about a family it's not about It's like him making his own vision makes, and then things go horribly, horribly wrong. Yes, it's very much worth reading, and if you're listening, check it out too. Who writes that? Do you know King? Okay, Uh, Tom King. Okay, yeah, yeah. He does. I think he does. He does a couple different series. He does one of the Batman books. Yeah, Um, I forget what it's called.
1: (laughs) Maybe just called Batman. No, it's like they are one of those
0: subtitles, Batman, (laughs) like Detective Comics or something. something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so other cons anything else that kind of jumps out at you like uh one thing one criticism i've heard leveled against this uh we call it a franchise we call it a series we call it one big story i don't know um is that it's very serialized and formulaic like there is sort of like a formula to this and i think you'd mentioned something Mm -hmm. about that in the past chuck what do you think i yeah i think that's
1: you know i've been hitting at that a little bit with there are just some tropes that keep coming back. And again, I, I hate, sorry to keep repeating myself, but the, the deep state trope, mm-hmm. the Robert Redford, mm-hmm. you know, the guy in the the suit and tie in the office that thinks he can pull all of the strings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it too, there's something about S.H.I.E.L.D. that feels very rote at times. There's yeah. something about Nick Fury that feels rote, like the... Conversations between him and then the big faces on the screen, right? That Mm -hmm. want the weapons, weapons program
0: must go forward or not go forward. And here's Nick Fury as the one rogue willing to go against. And we go along with it because Samuel Jackson's amazing, but
1: he is. Um, And you know, I I do wish that there were more that there was more of a gender. Yeah, balance 100% mm-hmm. and you know that is a tremendous problem. Scarlett Johan- Johansson is great in mm-hmm. this. I, Black Widow is a character I love from she's a big part of Daredevil and in, mm-hmm. in the run in the past and so I'm very sympathetic to the character, but wow, could we not have Captain Marvel? In this. Well, we are getting
0: yeah. her. Mm-hmm. It's just she's gonna be coming about eleven years after the start of this thing, okay, yeah. which is a long. And that is one thing I will say: DC has done right. They have focused a lot on their female characters, and they, granted, they probably have a better overall stable of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking like Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn and Catwoman and and all that stuff compared to Captain Marvel yeah. and Black Widow, which is yeah. they're great, I mean, but not quite on that same well, level of it, iconic. And there's so. we're getting
2: Wasp too. I mean, we are she's, getting Wasp. The next yep. movie is it's Ant, called Ant-Man, Ant-Man and Wasp. wasp.
1: It, I'll yeah. say, like, one thing that I do have a hard time balancing too is it really is a. I mean, the scope of this obviously is what? Galactic, right? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. in terms of being on Earth, like, it's an international story, y- mm-hmm. you know, e- whether the countries are fictional or not, right? Like Wakanda and these things that happen overseas. Um, I- I'm a little. I'm a little sour on the sense of a Cold War reboot at times, Mm -hmm. which to me is a little boring. Um, But I I do struggle with how American of a story this is meant to be at times with Captain Mm -hmm. America and Tony Stark versus, I don't know, is is this really, does it have an international reach or is this really an American
0: story dressed up
1: as something else
0: so it's interesting you bring that up because one of the things we have seen with the marvel universe is that marvel is trying to approach a lot more chinese co-financing with their movies and uh iron man 3 for example has an entire subplot involving um a chinese scientist and researchers who are working to kind of like uh, cure Tony Stark that gets pretty much completely cut out of the American version. I was going to say because mm. I saw that and don't remember that. There, there <laughs> is, yeah, exactly. Like you, the, and of course, you wouldn't because mm-hmm. we didn't get that version over right. here. Huh. But it was put together because they sought out a lot of and got a lot of Chinese co-financing for Iron Man, and they put something in there to play to the national audience, including like actors mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know storylines and like that sort of thing that would appeal or would be uh, recognizable to that audience. So, I, so I mean, yeah, I, Ryan
1: I think, brought this up with James Bond earlier, which always feels more global where the mm-hmm. stakes really are global, whereas so the the global here feels more like scenery
2: at times. Sure. But what's
0: at stake is really like we have to be uh, in Budapest for this scene. Right.
2: You know what other series is actually doing this very well? And I've only seen a few of these, but is the the. Um, Fast and the Furious series. Oh yeah, is, is doing that's for- that's another episode of serious yeah. fun. But there's
0: a lot to talk about when it comes yep. to Fast and Furious. It looks it's like I'll have to things. watch
1: all of them since yeah. I haven't seen
0: any of them. They're doing you do. a really they're, <laughs> they're fun. They're really, a really fun.
2: Nice job of making that that story that series international. It's incredibly
0: and, diverse. It's very yeah. international
2: and and not in your face. Like it's not like they're doing it for. It's not
0: tokenizing. Yes, Everything exactly. feels logical. Like yep. it makes sense. Yeah, as much as those movies make sense. Yep, exactly. like it all. It's it, it, I, I I highly recommend them. I, mean, I think they're some of the yeah. best action cinema going on. Right? So I would I should argue, start with Tokyo Drift.
2: Uh, I started with five. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> um. four
0: Four Onward is where it becomes the series it is yeah. now. You can kind of skip the first three. They, they more or less cover the important and plot points I later would,
2: on. Yeah, and I would argue that, that... But five is
0: by far the best. What
2: What is the most surprising thing to me is how much I've enjoyed those movies. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. ignored them for years. It was I did actually, not like them at first. I, I I didn't see them. I knew I wouldn't be interested, mm-hmm. and then, or I thought I wouldn't be interested. And then it was actually I was listening to How Did This Get Made, the, mm-hmm. the podcast. They've been covering it, and I thought I should give these mm-hmm. a try. These might be worth it. And, and they're not they're not good movies but they're great movies. Mm-hmm. I, 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 was, okay. I, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. i mean they're they're not movies that i they're
0: not good yes. movies but they're good movies yes
2: exactly yeah but, um can, if i could say something too about the the gender piece for a second yeah, yeah. and that is um what my only gripe with the first guardians that i'm hoping will be addressed in the second guardians mm-hmm. I thought Gamora was underdone as a character. Yes, Um, very much so. That was disappointing to me.
0: Hyper-sexualized. Not just in the film, but also in the merchandise. And to his credit, we'll see how it actually turns out, because none of us have seen the second movie Mm -hmm. yet. We're recording this before it comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, To his credit, James Gunn has acknowledged that and made an effort to increase the number of female characters in the movie and the screen time for them. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I hope that he's delivered on that. But we have a situation in Guardians 2 where we have our first ever female villain. In the um, Marvel Universe, interesting. Um, Gamora is going to be a big part of the story. Nebula is going to be a big part of the story. Okay. So I can, and uh, we also are introducing a new character Mantis, who is a big part of the the team in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are From making Kung Fu Panda or different Mantis? <laughs> no, this is a different <laughs> okay. one. But uh, she is a martial artist. Uh, at least in the comics, mm-hmm. she is. I don't know if they're going to carry that through in the movie um but uh that's so they are making a conscious effort i think just on that alone
2: you know her i mean she struck me as being largely just serving as a love interest by and large which is who who could kick some ass yeah and i liked that she's a she's a
0: great character but that was primarily what she was there in that movie for
2: and they didn't give her an adequate backstory compared Mm -hmm. to the other characters it's very it's tossed off yeah
1: so you know to that point too that when you had asked what our favorite film was I stuck with films, but if you know, my favorite piece of this whole universe is Jessica
0: Jones, I, and I, I put that up there too. And
1: Ryan and I have talked about this, but at the same time, it feels—it is her- my favorite of those TV shows. Easily, um, but it feels hermetically sealed in yes. a way that that whatever's happening there, there are great female characters. The the lead, obviously, and the the main like
0: thrust of it, like violence against women, is really what mm-hmm. drives that that and opening season. A show that is also. Run by women, like yes, r- produced mm-hmm. and written primarily by women. But it, and but so with all of that strength, it feels hermetically
1: sealed off from yeah. the universe, which is weird. In that, if you've read the Brian Michael Bendis mm-hmm. comics, the opening uh, issues is about Captain America, yeah, you know, and then Captain
0: Marvel is in it. So mm-hmm.
1: in the comics, she fits into this universe. Pretty well.
0: Yeah. I mean, we get Luke Cage, but that's really the biggest connection we have to the other to the other universe. It's like
1: they made a conscious decision to make it more about to to pull the heroes out and replace
0: them. And I think that maybe that was the right call considering the subject matter. I agree. I agree. Because like you don't want to trivialize Mm -hmm. it. Um, but yeah, it's it is definitely weird, and that's why it was so jarring when the the trailer for Defenders came out, and it starts with her, and then Daredevil walks into the uh, uh, police station when she's being interrogated as her lawyer as Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, whoa, wait, that's right, they are the right? same. Like
2: huh. you, you would have never thought, but there they are. But so if is she to... Dawson in that in that? Yeah, she series? is. She
0: is the Nick Fury kind of for the Netflix show. She brings right. all the heroes. But to...
2: is she, so she is in. Jesse she is. I couldn't remember. Cause...
0: She very briefly. Uh, oh, she's she works uh, like there's a where luke cage uh gets messed up real bad and she basically she and jessica jones try to like save his life and they do
2: gotcha but yeah
0: she she is sort of the running constant and um between her and stick i think they're kind of the surrogate nick fury character but is she gonna get a chance to punch thanos in the face probably not i want it so i want her to like i if i don't see her like just punching through one of thanos's goons in just like a quick scene in infinity war i think they've messed up anything uh, all right, so I don't know where, uh, how are we on time. You get, you get.
2: Um, we're, Chuck and I have a meeting at eleven. So all have right, so we can. more minutes. Okay,
0: cool. So that gives you an idea of how much long this podcast is going <laughs> to go. Um, so I want to just uh, hit a couple other quick notes. Um, so we talked about a lot of other attempts at this sort of shared universe formula. The biggest one, of course, is the DC Extended Universe. That is its nope. official name. Uh, and so Those far, we suck so far. Okay, so awful. real quick, <laughs> what's interesting is that they're kind of like decreasing. Like they get increasingly bad. Yes, Mm -hmm. Man of Steel is generally pretty good. Mm -hmm. That's your. I think there are some good parts of Batman versus Superman. Not a lot of them, but they're there. And then Suicide Squad is completely irredeemable. I
2: have never, I have not in a long time been as disappointed about a movie as I was Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. I thought that could have been DC's opportunity to do something. to do something different from Marvel that mm-hmm. w- could be successful, and because I actually think one of the strengths DC has is their villains. Yes, and
0: they have the opposite
2: problem. Yes, and they blew it. Yeah. so hard. Well, I, and
0: part of a lot of that yeah. was studio meddling, from what I understand. That's what I've heard too. Um, and 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 you know, the other part is that I think that they focus on the wrong parts of what made that movie Isn't interesting. Isn't it
1: Wisconsin's fault? Isn't that guy the Zach? Was it one of the directors from Wisconsin? Mm, David no.
0: Ayer, I don't think is Zach Snyder might be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that most of the universe is his fault. We're, but to, we're okay. to blame. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I'm anyway, not ta- I'm not owning that. But what's? Mm-hmm. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is because we do see a lot of other companies trying to do this stuff, mm-hmm. um, and and we've talked about like why we think this succeeds. But here's the big question I have, and I've seen f- sort of like inklings of this as we as we go forward. Do you think there's a bubble that's going to burst because we see so much of this stuff going on right now? I have been skeptical of that for years, but I'm starting to wonder because I'm looking and I'm seeing not only do we have three Marvel Cinematic Movies coming out this year. We've got Guardians, we've got Thor, and we've got Spider-Man Homecoming, which is, again, that kind of like tricky thing where Mm -hmm. he's a Sony character, but Marvel basically cut a deal where they can use him as long as Sony gets some of the money and like Marvel takes on all the actual production costs. Um... And then, of course, we've got Wonder Woman. Yep. We've got Justice League. Um, we've got, uh, we had Logan earlier this year. We're going to have probably, there's there's others I'm not thinking of right now, I'm sure. Right. Is there a point where there's going to say no more?
2: I, I think, I, I do. I, I think there is a bubble. I don't know how close we are to it. I think you're asking a lot of your audience for starters, and this is, I think, goes back to what we talked about before about there, there being kind of a how much, how invested are people in the in the big mm-hmm. picture? That's because you're asking a lot of your audience to watch this many movies to keep up with the the story arc, the mm-hmm. big story arc, um, and eventually, I think people are just gonna gonna get some. There's gonna be some superhero fatigue, mm-hmm. um, and then once you add all these other Universes to the mix, yeah. you know the the DC extended universe or whatever we're calling mm-hmm. it. You, that you're is technically a, what they're e- calling extended right. whackness. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't like. I, I think it's a bad. I think yeah. dccu is just fine, right? But uh, I just I think you do run into um, yeah. You, you, you will see some some audience fatigue. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: essentially. My smoking hot take is sure. that it's already burst. Oh, I, I think we're already there, <laughs> um, and so to answer your question at least yes mm-hmm. very much and you know i think a lot of this has to do with things that happen in the real world right you know and i i can just i'm wondering how much these movies are speaking to things that we really care about is it mm-hmm. is it pure escapism um but you know there's something about logan uh, that ryan brought up earlier and i will say i love that movie so mm-hmm. much it's i Set Love on Fire and Worship the Flames of right. Logan. Um, <laughs> wow. But the thing about that is that— That's, that's
0: one for the back of the DVD case.
1: Yeah. You know, so— but the, the hero dies. Like, there is no more.
0: Yeah. Right? Spoilers. I'm going to put a huge, just, like, blinking spoiler yeah. thing at the start so, of this
1: show. Well, I didn't say Logan was the hero. I mean, there are other heroes, right? But,
0: uh, yeah. Can Thank I go? You. I think you may have.
1: Right. So, wait. And then Professor X, is he ca- Oh, no. It's uh, another spoiler. Um, Basically, everybody dies. Yeah, Everyone you care about it dies. It is Shakespeare, okay? Yeah. Like, if you didn't catch that from Johnny Cash being on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. there's no
0: hope. Um, well, but, but there's literally one of the songs these one of the trailers is just there ain't no grave that can hold my body down right but yeah. doesn't it feel like that it was so one oh, of those pirates sorry it was
1: so fresh when it went outside of the existing universe and even though studio wise that's the case but that it felt separate and distant and it's over yeah and there's something about that that you know people like conclusions yes, in yes. narratives and if you don't get that eventually people stop right
2: well I think one of the things they're really savvy about when it comes to the bubble, though, is that they have, and this is, again, part of that con, they have successfully, they've made it so that you don't have to watch all of them to enjoy mm-hmm. the component parts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have people like my wife who really likes them, but she doesn't feel the need to get out and see any and, yeah. and all of them. And But and again, that's ma-
1: where like Ant-Man succeeds spectacularly.
2: Yep.
0: Well, yes. there is they do reference something, things that happen in other movies, but by and large, you can get through it without a whole right. lot of you're, prior mm-hmm. knowledge. You're
2: able, and you're able to get the big story arc without mm-hmm. Having to, and that's because they've minimized the story arc. That's mm-hmm. the con we talked about earlier, but the, the upside of that is they're avoiding, I think, some bubble bursting. Because, I mean, how many movies are there at this point? 17?
0: Uh, I believe in the intro I mentioned 15. Right. Uh, right. That, wow. that Guardians is 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we are going to be up to 17 by the, the end, end of this the summer. by the end of this year
2: yes yeah okay
0: Yeah. so and that
1: and not, that doesn't include TV that runs. does not include yeah.
0: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Agent Carter any of the Netflix shows that's just the films hmm.
2: right and, and then I mean you're asking a lot of your audience to say especially your your audience who isn't Mm-hmm. you know you, they're counting on non diehards to keep these things going right. and you're asking And it's working. A
0: yep. Like I will yep. tell you right now like I have in my uh you know I in the family I have married into my yep. in-laws uh, my, my brothers and sisters in laws are just nuts about this mm-hmm. stuff. My sister-in-law who would have never thought was, was this she loves X-Men, she loves Rocket and Groot. Mm-hmm. She's got like a little shrine to Rocket and mm-hmm. Groot in her living room. Um and so like you know, so she, they're rejecting
1: my hot takes. Kind of, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. And,
0: and I would not have pegged these as, as diehards. Like, they did not pick up a comic really until these movies came out. And I kind of, I I, I sort of blame myself for
2: infecting all of them. Um, but uh, like. We in in my house. We you know Tina, who uh, was not fully on board with this. She when Doctor Strange came out, I said, "Hey, I think I'm gonna go see Doctor Strange with a friend." And she said, "Nope, we are getting a sitter, and we're gonna go mm-hmm. see." Was that she together.
0: was she a fan of uh, Cumberbatch?
2: She's a fan of both. She's okay. She, it's both the the she's enjoying the universe. She's mm-hmm. liking it, and she likes him a lot. Big sure. Sherlock fans. Or and I horror. would have
1: actually offered that as one of my least favorite movies as well.
2: Yeah. I, I, liked I, it. I I I
1: don't I did not like it I don't it at all.
0: feel it holds up. I've I've rewatched it. A a couple times since it came out. I don't feel it holds up terribly well, but I just love Doctor Strange so much. Like that is like one of my there there are so many problematic parts. But it's it's of the it. disembodied villain again. Like, like just yeah. this
1: amorphous amoeba. But,
0: but the reason I do like it, and again, as long as we're spoiling everything, is that it's a solution to a problem. The problem is solved not by punching or yes. destroying things. It's literally putting things that are broken back together and the hero sacrificing himself countless times to spare the lives of others. Like, And he sort of, he tricks the villain. Like mm-hmm. it is pure human duplicity that does in the villain. Yep. And, I, and even though you're right in that it is a disembodied villain and it's hard to care about, Dormammu has never been particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 human aspect of it, I think, is fascinating. Mm-hmm. But you're right in that the movie does. I don't think it hangs together as well as it did the first time I saw it. But again, I just love Doctor Strange. So it I kind of
1: I, I love Doctor Strange on the page. It just mm-hmm. the, the film just kind of washed
0: over me. I sure, felt like it's a little disposable. I think in mm-hmm. the in the cold light of day. That's what I mean. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I I enjoyed it nonetheless, and I'm glad that character exists in movies. Too so. much hand waving. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, maybe. you can't see it, but I'm, right. I'm doing the, I'm doing the entirety right. of the Doctor Strange action sequences right now. Brian is casting a spell <laughs> yeah. on the studio <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it, it is kind of it's, it's it's interesting in that way that you do have people kind of like gravitating toward it that might have mm-hmm. never picked up a comic otherwise. So I think mm-hmm. that they have done a pretty good job breaking through to the mainstream consciousness.
1: And you know, but is the larger? I guess my question is: Is the larger story the conclusion going to be worth the hours and the number of films? And but, so I ask, like, well, is does Fury Road do what a Marvel movie does like by itself in a unit? Does a movie
2: like- You just oh, keep picking like the best movies that have I come out- I mean, Fury Road's amazing. Like, yeah, it's not fair to compare the, anything else to yes. Fury Road. <laughs> okay, uh, how about like- <laughs> Logan and, too. I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, no, they're not as good as those.
0: Do you want but, me to pick crappy movies? Yes. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying if I would even say like, you know, compare. I love Guardians. I love Ant-Man. I would put those up among my favorite superhero movies mm-hmm. like, uh, like mm-hmm. top three easy. But you know, would I put them up against something like Logan or Fury mm-hmm. Road or something like that as a movie? No.
1: So you know what I, I wonder is going to happen, and maybe the timing of something like Unbreakable maybe coming back, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Where you get that yeah. you get that transition back to the superhero that wears the security mm-hmm. windbreaker raincoat rather than
0: so like the smaller scale. Yep. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. oh, that was what was so great about Unbreakable is that it was a superhero story, but it was very like only the only thing that kept it from being just another like mm-hmm. drama was that sort of supernatural element.
1: I mean if I could follow cycles like I follow literary cycles that mm-hmm. if the bubble were to burst that's what would happen, you would go back to the everyday gritty sort of hero that the Bruce Willis character is in that.
0: Well, it's funny that you mention that there is a uh, that there's an ending cuz there's not. Like they've already said that there are plans after this current story with Thanos is done. We don't know what they look like. And they're, I think they need to take like a five-year break or something. But yeah. um, just let it rest for a bit. But they're not going to. I
2: think the reason why this group has been successful, I think, is because they've realized something that I think was ignored f- throughout. You know, when you think back to the, the Batman movies, mm-hmm. the, the Michael Keaton, you know, that Batman, mm-hmm. those movies failed because they thought, well, if, I mean, they were good at first, and then they thought, well, we'll just keep making them, and people will keep coming, right, because they love Batman. And mm-hmm. then they made garbage, yeah. and people stopped. This series has realized that if you keep making them good, people mm-hmm. will continue to yeah, come. Yeah, that's the thing is none of them and,
0: have been, like, absolutely horrible. Right. Mm-hmm. Even and, Age of Ultron was not completely right. irredeemable. Was, yeah,
2: it was very, very, very watchable. It was acceptable. I saw it, was it twice, you know, and— and um, you know, but but the, I cannot watch some of those old. You Batman saw Age of Ultron movies. twice. I
0: did. That's that, that's too much. Yeah. Well, like I can understand if that came yeah. on like cable or something like no, that. No, that's what. But that's like, what like, okay, okay, yeah. then, then no. that's okay. I didn't that twice, twice in that theaters. Theater. No, no. no. Mm-hmm.
2: Once in theaters. Once at home. Um, but I think you know those 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 they've realized that if you keep making high quality stuff people will continue to come and they've invested a lot of energy mm-hmm. into into you know writing relatively strong characters um, interesting storylines um, kind of building off one another and, and in a way that I think they didn't they, they haven't mm-hmm. uh, superhero movies haven't gotten until now right
0: uh, last thoughts I think we can't we can probably just wrap it up around here I think we've we spent this We're looking at about uh, probably close to an hour and a half for Mm -hmm. for this one. Um, Solid. So, uh, any last thoughts? Last uh, quick things you want to hit about this universe? Where we go on? Any spoilers I can throw out? I mean, (laughs) we've already ruined most of it, so it's 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 fine.
2: I'm excited for Guardians too. I'm not gonna be able to see it this weekend, but uh, this is one actually. But we gotta we're gonna get a sitter for so my wife. And that's how you know a movie's good. Yeah, that's how you pay for the babysitting. Yeah, so. Um, no, I, I think that I'm, I'm a big fan of, of this. I think they're high quality. I think there's some mm-hmm. compelling storylines throughout.
0: I hope Captain America dies. <laughs> so that's it. Well, if, 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 if they follow the comics, you'll get your wish. Oh. Uh, Thanos does, in fact, kill Captain America. It doesn't stick, but it does happen. Oh, good. Um, so anyway, so <laughs> we'll leave it there. Uh, of course, you can hear... Uh, Ryan and Chuck on All the Rage. Uh, when, h- when does that come out and how often?
2: Uh, it's it's big episodes about once a month with uh, some short fuses. We call them uh, shorter episodes. every sure. Now and then you've been on a short fuse. I have. Right I'm, today, I'm talking
0: the... about superheroes. It's like this yeah. Yeah. just No, keeps... that was
2: psychology and stuff. You were on a uh, short fuse talking about oh, Super Bowl right. commercials. Super Bowl so. commercials. Okay, Are you doing a Hulk episode? We're going to do, do a Hulk episode. Yeah, okay, yeah okay, see, so you in, have that in to in look forward
0: months. to. So all that, if you enjoy that stuff about the Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be doing more of that when Thor Ragnarok comes out. So look for that in November.
2: Yes. Um yep, uh, all the rage psychology and stuff is another podcast uh, I have, but uh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. And I'm just around on You're just Twitter. You just there at, Chuck, yeah, well, Ryback. Yeah, at I, Chuck
2: Ryback. I
0: wander around Green Bay occasionally, okay. and uh, at Ry C Mart. Rye mm-hmm.
2: C. Mart. I'll post a picture from this later.
0: Yeah, okay. or you
1: can find me at Powers
0: Comics. Yeah. just wandering miles. Yeah, shout out to Powers Comics. He's. I'm gonna. I've already talked to him. I think I'm gonna have him on this at some point. Oh, oh he nice. would be great. I'm gonna go to the store. We're gonna well, talk about the comics industry.
2: All right. So ask him because I want to do our our hulk episode from i'll story. i'll bring it up let's do that I, yeah that sounds right fun.
1: in the stacks Brian. right in the stacks you just know, hiding I, behind I, a log box
2: i'll be so ashamed i'm going so here's my promise is i'm going to read uh hulk in advance of you, you gotta read i'm gonna planet I'm, hulk i'm gonna let you, you guys should pick read pick planet it. hulk okay. and, and world the world war hulk
0: I and, and, say and all that the
1: prelude for a like share yeah world war hulk's the, yeah, never mind we're going off yeah, yeah. no but
0: those are the things you should probably read before
2: let you guys pick it out uh, mm-hmm. I'll read whatever you tell me and then that way we can talk about it. Okay. Open we should have
0: Lou Ferrigno on. Oh, if we could get him, that'd be amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'll, I'll tweet at him. See you right.
0: sure. later. <laughs> he's, he's got it. I mean, what else is he doing? Mm. Like he's... Uh, King of Queens. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which, he's probably enjoying you know, being a, a, oh, a well, semi-retired you celebrity, right. you know, like have, living off. a normal <laughs> life. <laughs> right. All right. Well, oh. gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks for being on Serious Fun. No, and thank you. Uh, we'll see you again soon, I'm sure. This was Serious Fun. It was. And there we go there's our talk about the marvel cinematic universe a lot to talk about we could have probably easily gone for another hour or two at least but thanks for listening if you want to hear chuck and ryan's show and believe me you do they talk about some really fascinating interesting stuff go to uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts, and you can check out that show as well as all the other shows on Phoenix Studios. And of course, you can check it out on iTunes as well. You can check this show out on iTunes as well if you haven't already. Give us a review on iTunes. That helps us climb up the ratings, and it uh, really does make a big difference. That's how people find shows like Serious Fun, like All the Rage. So if you like these shows, go on iTunes, give them a nice review. That's how we're going to build that audience and keep doing the kind of shows that we're doing here. So until next time, for serious fun. I am your host, Brian Carr, and you go out and have some fun.
2: You just listened to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.